Welcome to the Body Emotion Podcast. Health, emotions and pain management. That's what you learn in the Body Emotion Podcast. Today we have a very interesting and informative episode. You are gonna be learning about emotions and evolution, fear, disgust, joy and distress. Part one. So get on to this journey, come with me and let's go. Hello, hello my listener there on the other side. Thank you very much one more time for being there. I am David El Barrutia. I know it sounds a little bit not English, but as you might know already, I'm not English, I'm not English speaker. I do speak English, but I'm Spanish. Maybe I've never told you this, but maybe you suspect it because you've been listening to me. And my accent is really good. Thank you very much, I know, but it's not that perfect. Well, today, thank you very much for being there. What are you going to be learning? Interesting, right? Emotions and evolution. Have you ever asked yourself, why do we have emotions? What's the purpose of having emotions? For example, if we look at a physical level, we can ask ourselves, or at least I do, why do we have ribs? Well, the main function of the ribs is to protect vital organs like our heart, our lungs, it's to assist the breathing, to help the lungs to get a, a space when we breathe in, when we breathe out, to create pressure, to help us on the gait cycle, on the, you know, on our posture. So there are many functions associated with the ribs. Today, I'm going to tell you what's the evolution, what was the function from an evolutionary perspective of emotions. So what I'm going to be looking at is uh, about these main functions. If you remember on previous episodes, when I was speaking with you about Plato, remember he was there in the pub having some Greek food and, you know, thinking about emotions. Well, remember Plato saw emotions like obstacles. And what we need to consider is that this idea got at some level ingrained in our society and in some kind of scientific fields. But on the contrary, it's considered that emotions are very important in order to behave, to act intelligently, especially when you, when you make decisions. Perhaps from the anthropology field and the neuroscience from the neuroscientific point of view, they postulate that someone without emotions could be much less intelligent than another person or another creature with emotions. In this point, you might ask, David, okay, but you know, if if I have a lot of emotions and I cannot control my emotions, they're gonna m- make me take decisions that they are going to be maybe not that good. They are not going to have a really good outcome for me and for others. Yes, you're right. Imagine, you know, imagine someone is walking on the street and is coming from, you know, imagine someone is walking on the street in, I don't know, in London, all right? And I'm walking there and there's like a football match and you see a group of hooligans there and they start insulting you. And they say, hey, you, hey, you, Ashul, what are you looking at? Come here, coward, come here, come on, come here. And this person that is walking 
full of rage and of pride, starts saying to himself, they're calling me asshole, am I a coward? You know, I mean, you're calling me coward? I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna show you who's a coward. And it's not that that person is thinking about that, he's behaving, he's behaving, he's, he's being congruent with, with what he's thinking. Well, you can imagine the outcome, right? You can imagine the outcome. At this point, I really recommend you to listen my episodes about optimism and pessimism, because this is one of the foundations of mental health, of, um, you can call it whatever, but the inner dialogue is really important, and I tell you very specific tools in those episodes. The important fact, the important point, is that it's not about denying the emotions, or denying that the emotions can lead you to make decisions that after a while or afterwards you will regret because to be honest if you are you know if you look at society in your environment this is happening constantly in society and people people don't have self-control and they you know they let them they let them emotions to you know control them but emotions are not always useful this is the important thing Emotions sometimes are useful, sometimes are not useful. But pay attention, what is really, really important, it's this. The best way, it's a mix between rationality and emotion. Not just rationality by itself, not just emotion by itself. Someone without emotions could take better decisions in some specific situations. But I can guarantee you that someone with emotions will take better decisions in other situations. Sometimes you need emotions to take decisions and sometimes you don't. You need more rationality. And this point of view comes from a evolutive perspective. Think about it. Let me put it this way. Emotions like the ribs, like the ribs, like the gate, they are complex attributes and you know complex attributes they normally serve a purpose we can observe this in certain animals like for example the shape of some eagles the aerodynamism that you know their shape give them or how they fly on the air or you know the biomechanics of a cheetah that are incredibly efficient and made the cheetah the fastest animal in the planet same for humans, we developed emotions to help us to survive and replicate. That's it. And how the emotions evolved to serve these two first biological purposes? Well, it's very easy to understand the role of emotions from an evolutionary point of view, like fear and anger. You know, it's really easy to understand that fear and anger, they help us to survive. They are emotions that they were very important in a world where you know we were killing each other we had animals that they wanted to eat us and we had to survive in the caves fear helps animals to react very quickly when there's like a small sign or a big sign of a threat for example i always tell the same when my my dog kiko when i sometimes stepped on kick step on kiko he reacts automatically barking and he got in alert, he tenses his, his muscles. 
and he knows that I love him, but he is reacting very, very automatically, trying to survive because you know he's in the middle of sometimes my way and it's, it's sometimes very, very annoying. Okay, but he's reacting, it's his nature. He's preparing even to fight, even to fight. It's a little bit the main difference between the reaction between fear and anger. Anger is more like um, anger evolved as a, as a response of fighting, more as a response of fighting, while fear evolved preparing us more to fly. Okay? But pay attention how interesting is this. The American Joseph Lidoux, Lidoux, he found about fear, about the fear of my dog Kiko, he found two different roots. It's controlled by two different neurological roots in the brain. The first one, it's, it's related to the author Paul Ekman. Remember that he found the basic emotions, they are quick, they, they are very automatic, they are innate, but they create mistakes. The second route is slower, but more accurate. Ideally, both responses, they work together like a team for the best outcome. The first route helps us to react quickly against possible threats, but sometimes, sometimes it can be wrong, it can interpret situations that they can be dangerous when they are not. Is the second route, the one that it's analyzing, is processing the information slowly in order to conclude that maybe the threat is not real. For example, in phobias, to a butterfly, a plane, a snake, an elevator. What is happening is that this second route doesn't function properly and it reacts with fear against and a stimulus that is not a threat. And what's happening with other emotions, David? Okay, anger and fear, this is really clear why they evolved. What about surprise and disgust? It's really simple. It is really simple. Animals and humans, we react with surprise when we have um, something that is new in front of us and it's catching our attention. This is utilized a lot in marketing, right? You need something that is new, that creates different responses in the brain. Biochemically, for example, like noradrenaline, adrenaline is like, wow, wow, something new, wow, wow, it's incredible. It happens the same with disgust, because that was very important emotion in order to not get infected by disease. You know, we were, the animals are there and there's like a cadaver of an animal, I'm gonna eat, and if he has a disease, he's gonna eat very bad, and maybe I'm not gonna eat, so that's my emotion telling me, ooh, 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 this is this is happening. It happens the same to you when you leave your chicken breasts in the kitchen, well, in the fridge for seven days. You got me, right? You got me. They smell really bad. They take two, three days, no more than that, to get like, ugh, they smell bad. So then you smell, you you can smell them, and it's like, okay, they go to the litter right now, to the rubbish. And what's going on with another with another emotions like joy, like sadness? Well, what it seems is that it's a little bit more complex than the previous emotions. It seems that they acted as a motivators. They were like triggers that motivated our ancestors to 
take different actions or decisions. Let me put it this way. We usually feel joy when we do things that to our ancestors helped to pass their genes from one generation to the other. For example, pay attention now. Having sex, meeting with friends, receiving and giving gifts. Those are things that they help us to feel joy, to be joyful. And in the past, it helped our ancestors to be to reproduce successfully. On the contrary, the loss of a love person, someone who's dying, or the loss of important possessions, money even, they were stressful situations that they were affected negatively to the reproductive success of our ancestors. This is not that our ancestors, they were doing like a direct connection between these emotions and the mm, reproductive success for survival. It's like, okay, I'm just going to be thinking now very rationally that, you know, if I, uh, you know, if, if I meet with old friends, I'm going to feel happy and that's going to help me to uh, be very successful to reproduce myself. No, 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 no. Natural selection did not did this direct connection. Natural selection gave us the capacity to feel joy doing certain specific things, like being with friends, like having sex, in order to pass the genes to different generations. Joy and sadness, therefore, they are emotions that they are anticipatory emotions. It's like the... It's like this example of the carrot that is in front of the rabbit. You know, the joy of, you know, of going to a very exciting trip with friends is what it helps you to prepare the trip, you know, with, with enthusiasm. Or it is the sadness of knowing that you are going to leave a city where you have been living for five years. Would it motivate you to, for example, create a farewell party with your friends? However, during your infancy, you learned gradually what it makes you feel happy or what it makes you feel sad. And as we are growing, these memories, they are somehow, they are somehow managing our lives. However, David here is considering that this is up to a certain point. Because that can be reverted, that's been shown in you know the neuroplasticity of our brain. We can change. We can change. But there are causes, there are common causes for joy and sadness. And this is not just based on your personal experience. This is happening, as we know, with fear and disgust. But for example, kids that are seeing their parents afraid of, you know, taking a bath on a particular river, it's very likely that they will consider that that river it's dangerous. Even if they even tried, they see their parents, it's like, okay, my, my parents, they are not having a bath in that river for whatever reason. Probably it's very dangerous. I'm not going to try. And it happens the same with disgust. You know, I'm seeing my parents that, you know, they hate broccoli or they hate cod. It's very likely they will not eat that. Very, very likely. The Homo sapiens as a social species evolved with the emotions with two main useful functions. 
The first one, pay attention, is to help you to internalize these emotions in order to generate cambios, in order to generate changes in the organism to take an action. Simple like it. Simple like this. I feel threaded in you know in a street that is very dark. I start walking much faster. So because you feel certain sensation on your body that is being created by that emotion, it helps you to take an action. You know, sometimes you can get paralyzed. Okay, but that's different. That's, that's probably not the main function of, of that emotion. It can be in some specific situations. The second main function of the Homo sapiens as a social species is to help you externally learn from others. Simple like that. If I tell you how I achieved, you know, one specific goal, and you cannot see my face, but you can, you know, you can see my, you can, in this case, you can, you can listen my voice. For example, I'm, I'm, let's make it practical. I had a client, because you know that I'm a personal trainer specialized in biomechanics, and I had a client that he had a very, a lot of pain in the sacroiliac joint. Okay, see, he had a lot of pain on the sacroiliac joint. He had been in physiotherapies, different coaches, and he came to me to use my methodology. In two weeks, in three weeks, he was pain-free, running pain-free. I was so happy about that because I believe in my methodology and uh, it's just me at the moment using it mostly. But, you know, I, I helped that person and he was so grateful, so happy. And I was like, this is really fulfilling and rewarding. So if I tell you this, and you are not seeing my face, but if you could see my face, you were listening to my voice, that's helping you to learn from my experience. That's one of the purposes of the evolution of the emotions, to help you identify in other people their experiences, their emotions, and they help you to learn about that. And, for instance, to survive, because you can need to face similar situations or, you know, emotional challenges or experiences. Very interesting, in the next episode, I'm gonna be keep talking about fear, disgust, joy, and sadness. Okay, it's gonna be really, really interesting. So we are dividing these two episodes in two parts because uh, it's quite a lot of content, but it's really interesting. I'm gonna tell you different specific studies and things more related with uh, joy and sadness. This is David Celcorbarrutia, reminding you to move pain-free and live. Thank you very much and I'll listen, you will listen to me, I will be talking to you on the next episode.